With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode number 413 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Tuesday, April 5th, 2022, and... Thankfully, we live in a world where there is a national champion that is not from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Uh, I am very, very happy this morning. My name is Donald Wine. I am your host for this episode. I also have my two friends with me, Jason Evans and Sam Klein. Jason, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty well this morning. I I had a good time watching a a really competitive, really fun championship game last night. So, yeah, I'm I'm doing great. is it is the Shire era started yet? I believe it has. <laughs> I mean, Jason, let's be clear. Nobody had fun watching that game last night. In fact, uh, I bring in my friend Sam Klein. Sam, we were just talking last night about how last night was zero fun uh, until the end of the game. Can I can I admit something to you? I didn't watch. I oh that's I, fine. I was I was watching the score. I was watching the score bug. Uh, I was doing some work last night and. And I told myself, if UNC wins on some kind of, you know, either it's a blowout or it's like some late game heroics or something, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be watching it because it's, it's compelling enough television that I will be interested in watching it just as a sports fan. But with the, with the scars of Saturday still, still fresh, uh, the, the wounds, I suppose, still fresh, not scarred over yet. I, I, I couldn't take it. So I watched about one minute of that game last night. I, I was also doing work and I turned on, turned on the game around like 1030 thinking that, oh, I probably got through halftime and I'll just be able to watch second half. Nope. There was like seven minutes left in the first half. So uh, that game was very long. Uh, you didn't miss a lot, but uh, I know we'll talk about uh, some of this, some of this in a little bit. I will also add that on, on the topic of, of sort of the, the experience of watching and, and we had, I think we talked this weekend about people we'd been in touch with this week about the games coming up and how things went. I was texting people, you know, all day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, last week, Sunday, it looked like my text just, everything just disappeared. Like there was silence in my, in my social media in my text messages, same thing yesterday, starting at the end of the game last night, when, when Kansas won, people started texting me again, being like, okay, is this, is this like a little bit better? Like, are you in a better place mm-hmm. now? Are we are we okay to be talking now again about college basketball? And I was like, yes, it's it's uh, it's good. But you know what did not disappear is emails to the DBR podcast uh, yeah. inbox. No, those continued because wow. because those those people I think have the I think those people have the right uh, they they sort of know what to what to ask about. Um, some of my friends who are who are general sports fans who are like, I don't know how how badly this is affecting you. People who you know, let's admit, right. probably don't listen to the show because like they're not Duke basketball fans and they don't they don't need that from me. So, yeah, but like people after, recognize. After, I was going to say really quick after the uh, after the semifinal game, the next morning, my wife texted me and said, are you OK? And like on the one hand, that's sweet. and On the other hand, like, what do you think I was like physically damaged? Like, no, no. Well, also, also, no, I'm not. OK, right. no, <laughs> like after the game on Saturday, we'll, we'll talk about the rest of it later but after the game on saturday i literally just put on social media if you know me you know not to say anything and for the most part like 99 percent of people were like understood there's a couple people like hey like like does this like are you upset were you gonna go to new orleans and i'm like yo i'm tapping the sign here i said don't talk to me when i'm ready to talk i will reach out and to to the credit a lot of people who know me who know how big a fan i am of duke basketball they waited until like, yes, like Sam said, like late last night to be like, hey, are we are we back on solid ground? Are we cool? Like, how was how was your trip? And like, you know, diverting something else. But we will talk about the championship game and get our thoughts on on the actual game a little bit later. But first, we do have some Duke news that we need to discuss. And these are not official reports, but these are basically all but confirmed reports that Nolan Smith, 
the assistant coach uh, under Coach K uh, here at Duke University is leaving the program to return to his home of Louisville, uh, Kentucky. He will take on the associate head coach job at Louisville. So, guys, I want to get your take on this. Uh, I, I know a lot of people have been asking about this and, and kind of thinking that the first departure from the program was going to be a player. Instead, it seems like it is going to be a coach. And you know, for, for at least for this show, a friend of the podcast and a very much beloved member of the Brotherhood. Jason, your thoughts? So I'm going to preface this by saying um, that, that I, I do have uh, we are not <clears throat> a, a program where we profess to be insiders or, you know, this is fans and this is fan driven. But occasionally there are circumstances that just because of our fandom and because of our connection to Duke, <clears throat> there happen to be people that that know things that talk to us. So I'm going to preface all this by saying that I have spoken to people who are, you know, somewhat close to Nolan and um, and are close to the program and have some insight. So this is not me just kind of wildly speculating. Sam Jason is, is Jason <laughs> is sources here. I am loving I am loving the uh, yeah sources the, the, me the, the caveats <laughs> and the guys. Jason spent Jason spent how many hours in the in the Legacy Fund uh, pregame the other day for the for the game. Jason is sources now. Okay, yeah. If, if he says it believe him. I, I'm, I'm hesitant, you know, and I'm struggling a little bit with how much I'm going to say and how much I can say. Jason, but... just, just tell us what you know, man. <laughs> uh, what I know is this. Uh, I believe that Nolan Smith wants to do what is best for Nolan Smith and that Nolan thinks that he can learn more going elsewhere versus staying at Duke next season. And, and I will tell you that I had a, a conversation um, with someone and coming into that conversation, I, I was like, why is Nolan doing this? This is crazy. Why would you go from, you know, absolutely elite number one assistant coaching program in the country at Duke? Duke is the top. Why would you go from there to a, a good, a very, very good program, but, but a lesser program in Louisville? And that's how I went into the conversation. I left the conversation saying, yeah, Nolan has to make this move. This makes perfect sense. And, and let me explain a little bit of why. Um, Nolan played for Coach K for four years. Uh, even though he's only been an assistant coach in the Duke staff for one year, he's been around the program as director of basketball operations for a few more years beyond that. So he's been around this program for, for a good bit. I, I believe that Nolan thinks he's learned a tremendous amount from Coach K. The stuff he's learned from Coach K is the same stuff that John Shire has learned from Coach K. So Nolan, in thinking about progressing as a basketball coach and advancing his career, thought to himself, am I going to learn more by continuing to be alongside John Shire, who, who knows the same kind of things I know from Coach K, or am I going to learn more by going elsewhere? And I want to be clear about Kenny Payne, the new head coach at Louisville. Kenny Payne spent the past two years coaching alongside Tom Thibodeau in the NBA, one of the greatest, one of the top basketball minds around. Everyone says Tom Thibodeau is a great coach, especially on defense and a remarkable NBA coach. So Kenny Payne has experience at that, and he's going to bring some of that to Louisville. Kenny Payne spent a decade as the chief assistant right next to John Calipari at Kentucky. Say what you will about John Calipari. Dude can coach. So Nolan Smith is leaving knowing a lot of what coach K knows, knowing what coach K brings to the table. And he's going to a guy who's going to educate him on Tom Thibodeau's philosophies and John Calipari's philosophies. And when you think about it that way, it is hard not to think that Nolan Smith is making a really great career move for Nolan Smith. And I just break it down even easier than that. Nolan Smith is going home. And that is right, that's another aspect big, of it for sure. There's yeah. a very big aspect of things we talked about. We actually talked about on the show back when we played at Louisville, the video, the clip of Coach K giving Nolan Smith the game ball after we right. won at Louisville and about how he said, this is his home. It's always his home. This has always been something that has, has been a part, a big part of his life. And I think for Nolan, the opportunity to be able to be an assistant coach at his two homes both Durham and Louisville, I think weighed heavily on him. And yeah, on top of all that, you know, Kenny Payne also is a alum of Louisville. 
he's a part of the program. And I think he's trying to get people who know the Louisville program, who know the city, who know the culture there and who have been a part of it. And I think Nolan Smith, one, I'm like absolutely proud of him. He's one of my favorite Duke players ever. And the fact that he is being able to write his own ticket and say, I'm going to be able to go home and coach for, you know, my other, his other alma mater, if you want to call it that, his other home. Um, that is, I think that's very special. And that's not an opportunity that a lot of people get. And I'm very happy that he's able to be able to live out that dream. Sam. A couple other points that I had seen referenced uh, either on the DBR forum or, or on Twitter or stuff that, that the three of us had been messaging about the last couple of days. Uh, one is that it sounds like, I don't think this has been confirmed yet, but it sounds like Nolan's going to be the, the lead assistant, the, the associate head coach Correct, in, yes. in, in Duke parlance, which is going to be a promotion for him. Uh, and, and a very fast one when you consider that he has technically only been an assistant coach for the one year. So, so that is a cool opportunity for him. And one that was not available given that Chris Carowell is going to occupy that job at Duke, even if Nolan was to, you know, get the associate head coach title. We know that, that Carowell has been there a lot longer and is likely the, the lead assistant for John Shire. He's much more senior even than, than Shire is of course. So, um, so Nolan was always going to be third on the bench at Duke, even if he did stay. Uh, another another issue that I think folks have brought up is, oh, it's such a shame that he's going to coach at another program in the conference. Well, Jeff Cable did that, and it doesn't seem like it's it's been any any of the worse for wear for Duke, especially with a with a new coach coming in. We don't know yet, and and we'll talk so much about how much we think John Shire will change about Coach K's system, so to speak, to the extent that Coach K's system even really still exists as an X's and O's strategy. But I don't believe that that the uh I, I don't believe that that Nolan going to a conference rival is going to materially affect Duke's ability to win a conference championship. If we learned any new things about Coach K in the last week, it's that his uh, part of his system is that that manic preparation. And you can't, you know, you can't take knowledge from from last year or three years ago into and, and beat the manic preparation of this week with with three year old knowledge. So I'm not worried about that. Um, and then and I don't know if we want to keep talking about Nolan or if we want to pivot back to talking about what the effect is on Duke here, but I'm very optimistic about the, what this means for Duke, because even though it's a shame to lose Nolan Smith, he is a great ambassador for the program. He means a lot on court. He means a lot in recruiting. He means a lot in the community. He is, he is everywhere for Duke basketball. One of the things that I've been concerned about, and I know I've shared this on the show before, is that in elevating John Shire and keeping a lot of the same assistants around, Duke is missing on an opportunity here during the Coach K transition to bring in some fresh ideas, to bring in people who have not been Duke players or had not been Duke assistants uh, into the program to, to just, just to generate ideas, even if it turns out that a lot of the way John Shire game plans is the way that Mike Krzyzewski game plans which led him to 13 Final Fours in 42 years. No one is complaining about that if it continues. But there are always opportunities to bring in fresh ideas. Nolan leaving leaves a spot on the bench to hopefully allow John Shire to hire someone. I've seen rumors that that Mike Schrage might be in the mix to to return to Duke from Elon. He was he was not really an assistant coach at Duke. He was in a he was in more of an administrative role, but is um, but now, of course, has head coaching experience at the Division One level. Whether it's him or whether it's somebody else that that Shire might bring in, there are a ton of guys who are not affiliated with the Duke program who sort of have the right coaching pedigree, and and it would make sense in their careers to take a job like being the assistant coach at Duke that I would be really excited for. And one of the many things that I'm looking forward to over the next few weeks as we learn more about. NBA draft stuff and transfers and and all the roster building that's going on is how John Shire is thinking about filling out the rest of his staff. By the way, on the topic of Chris Carwell, I'm not I don't have the inside knowledge. I, I have not been at any uh, legacy fund dinners recently, but don't be surprised if Chris Carwell takes a head job at, at some point. Nate James just did it last year. Carwell's been on the bench for a few years. He has a lot of assistant coaching experience with both Steve Wojciechowski and has been approached and, by people in the last couple of years. As well. Exactly. So, um, so Chris Carwell is a guy who, who seems to me from the outside to be totally in line to get his own head coaching job at some point. So don't be surprised if, if John Shire is refreshing the bench a lot here from, 
from the way it looked a couple years ago. And, and don't think of that as a bad thing. Think of that as a good thing. Think of it as an opportunity for John to bring back, you know, maybe he does bring back some other recent alums. Uh, Emil Jefferson obviously just joined the staff uh, this past off season and, and will be in an assistance role this year, potentially. Um, but, but, but don't be, um, don't be alarmed if John Shire starts bringing in other guys and, and, you know, brings fresh perspectives here because, as you as you look forward and think about how, you know, guys on the staff need to be focused on recruiting, they got to be focused on game planning, and they got to be focused on the community. It's younger guys who are going to be most helpful in in all three of those. You know, maybe not in in the X's and O's. Maybe that requires a more experienced guy. But in recruiting and in and in community building, it's it's these young guys who are going to be helpful. And I'm sure we will hear names floated around that are people we we wouldn't think of because they're not quote unquote Duke guys yet, but uh, be excited for that. Don't be, don't be downtrodden that, that Nolan is getting a new opportunity elsewhere. Yeah. And, and last thing on Nolan, um, it has been pretty widely reported that Nolan is going to get a very, very significant raise going to Louisville um, and that uh, they may even be making him one of the higher paid assistant coaches in, in all of college basketball. I heard, I heard the word highest Jason, the word highest was, was thrown out there. And if that's true, then, I mean, that's, that's even better for him, right? Yeah. Like, that's awesome. Even if that's, even if that's close to true, that's right. incredible because right. that's probably, that's probably well over a million dollars in, in salary that Nolan's going to be pulling next year as an assistant. I mean, look, I'm not going to speculate on exactly what the number was, but the bottom line is uh, it, it shows how much he is valued by Louisville and how important this is to him. And I know there are a lot of Duke fans out there. I read, you know, e- emails and, and Twitter and stuff like that who are like, Hey, Duke can match that number. I'm sure Duke can match it. Yes, Duke can match it. But, but it means something to Nolan, I think, that Louisville would make him an offer like that, that they would say, this is how much we value you. And that's not to say that Duke doesn't value him tremendously also, but the suitor, the one pursuing you, when they really, when they reach out in this kind of way, um, I, think, I think it's meaningful. And like Donald said, going home is, is a really big deal for him. And then the last thing I want to absolutely dispel I think there are some people out there who might go, oh, you know, is Nolan upset that Shire got the job, you know, instead of him? You know, is this a sibling rivalry kind of thing? Because Nolan and John, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I wish everyone could see our faces. All of us had the like, what are you talking? Like, what is <laughs> Nolan? Nolan Smith is not face. an actor. He's a basketball player. <laughs> have you have, it, like if, if you think that that's the case, have you been on social media, any like any Duke related social media over the last year? And if not, I encourage you because it is typically very fun other than very funny. Uh, Bottom line, this is not about Nolan being dissatisfied with his role with John Shire, being dissatisfied with anything going on with the Duke program. It's about Nolan seeking out the best opportunities for Nolan and we should wish him well. And, and I am certain he will continue to be, you know, one of the world's biggest supporters of, of Duke basketball. I do wonder, I think it'll be really interesting and fun when Nolan and Shire and Carowell and the such face off against each other on the recruiting trail, not, not on the sidelines On the sidelines, it's other players who are involved. You know, it's really the players executing things, but on the recruiting trail, I feel like that's coach versus coach. And that's going to be fun and interesting to see how that goes. I think that's the most important thing here. The, the, the biggest loss uh, from Nolan Smith, besides his personality, the fact that he's, a, in my mind, a Duke legend, is that his recruiting ties to the DMV here in Washington, D.C. Uh, are very profound. He, you know, we've gotten a lot of recruits from this area because of his you know, expertise and just because of his charisma and how he's able to pull guys from this area. So that'll be an interesting uh, thing to see down the road if Louisville starts coming after kids in this area because there's a lot of guys that are always coming through the Washington, D.C. Catholic school systems uh, and just in Maryland and Virginia, that is going to be an interesting thing to see if, if Louisville can step up in that area. Uh, but I think and, for, and, for Nolan, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it's not like, you know, I, I know that you want to have a, a DMV guy to recruit DMV players. It's not like, it's not like Duke needs a, you know, we a have Jersey a Jersey guy to recruit all the, <laughs> all the New Jersey schools. Duke doesn't need a Florida guy to recruit the Florida schools. John Shire, I know there was a joke uh, a couple of years ago. I think it was around uh, Wendell Carter's uh, recruitment or, or Jolly Okafor's recruitment about, about recruiting Chicago. 
and there was a there was some back and forth. This might have involved Chris Collins too. I need to look up the story. It was it, it was, was it was Jalil because Wendell Carter's from Atlanta. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Wendell Carter's from Atlanta. Jolly Okafor who's from who's from Chicago, and there were some jokes about like, oh, John Shire can recruit uh, Chicago. Folks, John Shire is from the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, he is not from the city. Coach K can recruit the city of Chicago. If, <laughs> if, if we want to talk about guys who really understand, you know, what's going on, uh, John Shire ain't got that. So um, he can, and, and all that to say, he can still recruit Chicago kids, even if they're from the city, to come play at Duke. I ain't worried about that. And, and very last thing on who would step in to replace uh, Nolan Smith if, if, if this becomes true and he ends up leaving. Uh, which it seems like is about to happen. I think, you know, when we look at the early days of Coach K's career, he did not have Duke guys. I mean, he had Pete Gaudet. I don't think he went to Duke. He, Mike Bray did not go to Duke. Like, we had we had guys, and, you know, Jay Billis graduated, became a graduate assistant, then became an assistant coach, and that kind of started the tree of guys graduating from Duke and then becoming assistant coaches at some point under K. So, I, I and if you look at other guys like Michigan, Juwan Howard, guy who did not have a lot of experience, he brought in Phil Martelli to be a guy that was a veteran role on the, on the coaching staff. You could see him go that way. Uh, but honestly, whoever comes in, I think they'll know that they have big shoes to fill uh, because Nolan Smith has left some big shoes to fill. So, well, we wish him well. We really, really love him on this podcast. He's a friend of the podcast and we wish him well. He, we will be supporting him wherever he goes. I did want to shift now because we did talk about it before. Uh, I want to go back to the national championship game, which took place last night. Uh, for those of you who did not decide to watch it, uh, Kansas ends up becoming a national champion. They win by three over UNC. Um, I, I, I think for this game, it's a sigh of relief for me because uh, I did not want to hear about, uh, and Sam, Sam, we were texting about it last night, uh, about the fact that Hubert Davis in his first year took UNC all the way to a national champion, uh, a national championship. But uh, I'm really just have a sigh of relief that we don't have to hear about Tar Heel Blue celebrating down in Chapel Hill that they are the national champions. I'm glad it's Kansas over them. Uh, Sam, I want to go to you first. Give me your thoughts on the game that you did not watch last night. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I was, I said, I was following along on the scorebook. I see that it was exciting and, uh, and probably extremely nerve wracking for the people who actually had a stake in this game. Uh, I'm glad that, that UNC's magic dust finally, uh, finally ran out. I, I made a comment. I don't know if I said this to you guys last night or to, or to someone else that I was texting, but, but it feels like every good team in college basketball, this was when at the point last night, when I thought UNC was going to beat Kansas, I was like, every team that we thought was awesome a month ago has lost to UNC or St. Peter's in, in the last month. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's like Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, <laughs> like all of these hey, Gonzaga, teams. Hey, Gonzaga lost to Arkansas. Sorry, Gonzaga, Gonzaga lost to Arkansas, which on a, on a totally unrelated, to not totally unrelated, but, but a side topic. And I know we'll talk about the McDonald's All-American game. Today, I learned Arkansas has three McDonald's All-Americans uh, coming in next year. So, uh, and, and CBS uh, or CBS or, or ESPN, I think, posted their, their way too early top 25 and, and Arkansas is at the top of the list. So, uh, man, it, it is a, it is a return to glory. Uh, for for the Razorbacks, they are they they apparently are going to be back at the, at the top of the SEC next year. Yeah, I, I think uh, they'll. That Sorry, be... did I did I talk enough about the about the game? I didn't watch it, like I said. So uh, no, I, I'm that's... I'm glad. I, I'm I watched glad it. That I all think... the... <laughs> I'm glad. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy that Hubert Davis, you know, whatever is um is not going to apparently get fired after his first season. Um, but man, I would have been. I would have been really, really upset if Carolina had won that game last night. I want to really just uh, far be for me to show UNC love, but I do want to show love to one player on that team, and that is Armando Baycott. Um, he was a monster throughout this entire tournament. I believe he's the first player ever to get double doubles in every game uh, this tournament, and he did so in the last basically one in the last two games on one leg. Um, well, that's he, a heroic effort. I believe. By him. I believe he's the first player to do it in six games. There are players who did oh, it correct. Six. back in the day when there were fewer games in the tournament. And by the way, his he had the most rebounds of anybody since like the 1950s. Like it's 99. Yeah, it's 99 it's, rebounds. It, it is and, and, an and as you said, number. Donald, playing, playing on one leg, that dude is probably in an ice bath today and like for the rest of the week. Uh, he, he should be carried around campus for all I'm concerned. I mean, that like... He he had gave a Herculean performance in this tournament, and uh, far again 
far be it for me to say that UNC did something good, but that man, that man definitely deserves all the accolades he gets. Hey, Coach K, Coach K went up to Baycott after the game on Saturday and was giving him all kinds of appreciation. I think there were videos of that, of them, not just on the court, but, but in the tunnel afterwards um, talking. So Coach K appreciates the effort that Armando Baycott gave. And if Coach K says that he did a great job, then I think that is enough for me to say, good job, Armando Baycott. Yeah, and uh, on the game itself, because I, I did watch it. Um, God, yeah. <laughs> I watched it. I watched it. Um, you know, if you're someone who delights a little bit in, uh, in Carolina suffering, um, that second half was a lot of suffering on their part. You know, Carolina led by 16. They led by 15 at the half. At one point, Ken Pomeroy's predictive metrics had them at 91% to win the game. Um, no team has ever blown a 15-point halftime lead in the NCAA tournament championship game. So to some extent, uh, North Carolina suffered maximum pain. Uh, I believe it is um, uh, from the movie The Princess Bride that the, the man in black says, uh, Wesley says, to the pain as, as a challenge, so to speak, at the very end of the movie. And, and Carolina suffered a whole lot of pain in this game. In, in fact, you know, Carolina had, they only had six players who played. Four of them ended up injured in some way. Brady Manick got an elbow to the face that was brutal. Um, Caleb Love turned his ankle. Puff Johnson puked on the floor on live TV. Guys, I've never seen someone throw up on live TV before like that. that was, oh, I have. That was, I yeah. have. That, Wait, yeah, it Jason, didn't phase me at all. You've never, in all your sports watching days, you've never seen a guy throw up on TV? I don't think I've ever seen a basketball player throw up on the court. Like I was going to say, I've, yeah. I've seen both baseball players and football players throw up. I don't think I've seen a basketball player throw up. I've seen baseball, basketball, football, soccer, hockey, and golf. Whatever. Okay, great. <laughs> a golfer. <laughs> point yeah. being, oh, yeah. <laughs> point being, UNC, and, and we mentioned Brady Manick had, had the, I'm sorry, not Brady Manick. I mean, Armando Baycott had, had the bad ankle. Point being, Carolina suffered a lot. If you're someone who revels in Carolina's suffering, they blew the biggest lead in history. They were 90-plus percent to win the game, and they still lost the game. And, and their players all came out of it injured and all kinds of other stuff like that. So if you're someone who delights in that kind of thing, here is something to delight in. I'll give you the other side really quick if I can. Hubert Davis has now become the fifth different North Carolina coach in history to lead them into a national championship game. That's, that's amazing. That is really impressive. It's the mark of a great program that it sort of I think he's matter. the fourth. I think he's the fourth coach to do it in his first year, fourth coach overall to do it in his first year. Right. But, but at care, I'm talking about Carolina itself. He's the fifth Carolina coach. And, and that's the mark of a truly great program that it doesn't sort of matter who's in charge. The program um, gets there every time. And, and, and that's, you know, we, we may snicker when they're down, we may root for them to lose, but, but their success and our success combined is what makes this rivalry so special. And so, you know, it looks like Hubert is, is going to do a really, you know, it, it, he's apparently doing a good job for them. By the way, I saw something. Did, did you guys know Hubert apparently is only making a million dollars this year to be the head coach at UNC? That, yes. Uh, Jason. That's crazy. Gonna, that's the, that was, I, I also recall that Roy Williams had a thing where he was underpaid, underpaid, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, as the as the UNC head coach, they must have some they must have some like other accounting trick on on, you know, bonus compensation or, or, or something, uh, because I don't think that they would they would do their guys that dirty. This is because this is because it's a state school. A lot of state schools will do tricky things where we say, hey, we're going to give you a base salary that's low and then they make it up in other areas. Um, yeah, like the, like, for like the, you, for you something, make, you get endorsements, you make or whatever. a million dollars as the basketball coach, but you make a million and a half hosting the Hubert Davis radio show. Right. You know, exactly. On, 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 you know, yeah. brought to you by, brought to you by Hardy's, right? Like Hardee's I don't, I don't know the real numbers. I'm not, yet. I'm not, I'm not actually going to speculate on that, but I expect that, that Hubert is being very well compensated, uh, to have one of the top jobs in college basketball. Well, I also expect he's about, he's going to get a raise. I bet, I, I bet Caroline is going to show their pleasure with this past season by giving by giving him a raise and extension and all those other kind of things and the last thing i wanted to mention very quickly uh there are two little notes the first one is congrats to kansas uh bill self has become the 16th mm -hmm. coach in ncaa history to win multiple national titles um it ain't easy to win one it really ain't easy to win two 
So congrats to Bill Self. I say to Kansas fans, enjoy it while you can, because the hammer, the hammer is coming. Um, KU is is very likely in the next few weeks uh, or maybe you know month or two to get absolutely pummeled by the NCAA because of their role in the Adidas scandal. Um, uh, in in recent days, there's been uh, lots more talk about the, the this special NCAA investigative uh, group um, that that has been asking questions of Kansas, getting responses, then asking more questions and the such. Uh, there have been five level one violations. Um, uh, that have been uh, that Kansas is accused of, including several things that directly relate to Bill Self. There, most people who follow these things, most people who are experts in this stuff, say that Bill Self is probably going to get some kind of suspension. He may not coach all of next year. Um, it is absolutely clear from the evidence that he personally directed Adidas to make payments to players. And while Kansas fans can say that this stuff is perfectly legal today, it would be perfectly legal in today. When Kansas was doing it a few years ago, it was completely against the rules. They they are a cheating program, and and they did not they they don't deserve to get away scot free from that. And I believe they will not get away scot free. They're going to get hammered. I think they will not have a chance to defend their title um, next year. So so enjoy your moment while you have it, Kansas fans. I think at least for this uh, for for Kansas fans they can now raise an actual banner that counts. Um, they can take down that stupid 2020 national championship banner that they have uh, because they said they're, they did claimed they to be one the number of those one team in the country. They did. Yes, they have, they have a 2020 national championship banner up because they were the number one team in the AP poll when well, hang everything on. got Hang popped. on a second. You're going you're gonna to respond to this, and I'm going to look it up while you talk about it because Duke does hang a banner for being ranked number one in the AP poll. Nothing yeah. wrong with that, it's not but that's a, not a national championship. Yeah, exactly. But it's right. It, it's the same. It's the same size as the final four banners and the ACC championship banners, all of which are like, it is very cool that we won this thing. And there was a trophy involved. Yes. And it's on the side with all the, the other side. Stuff. It is not in the middle. You're but telling me they there, hung a an equivalent looking national championship banner. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to see if I can post a picture. Of yo, yo, while they we, also while we talk. They also have banners for the Helms. You know, well, yes, you know, the, I know they have Helms. Banners yeah, they got and two. Like, well, so does banners. UNC. Yeah, that's such BS. Yeah, well, but but at least at Carolina, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna start defending Carolina again while while Donald looks this up. At least at Carolina, they have the Helms Championship, but it's like in a different color. I think like all the all their national championship banners are white, and the Helms banner is blue, or, or vice versa. So at least it's like it, even if it's like next to it and the same size, it at least tells you visually this is not quite the same thing as as what you're looking yeah, at. So, I don't know what they do. So for the, what so they for do those of you out there, I for those of you out there, I just sent them in our chat here. Uh, a picture. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I sent the group chat uh, and the uh, Zoom chat, but I'm going to put it on our on our chat as well. Um, but yes, this is something that has happened. Um, you have got to be kidding me. It's the same it's, banner. It's literally, it's the exact same banner, and it says national champions on it. I was not. They joking. have the same. They have the same banner for all for for both of their Helms championships from 22 and 23, 52, 88, 2008, which were all. NCAA tournament championships, and then they have the exact same banner for 2020 when there was no NCAA tournament. Uh, so I didn't realize you have to win it on the court. How much I didn't realize how much I hated Kansas until <laughs> just this moment. <laughs> you got to win it on the court. Is, it's real simple. You either beat another team. There's either a score. There's either a game played, and there's a winner and a loser, or there's not. And if there what is wasn't this? a loser, what is this college you didn't football thing? <laughs> Is this college football where anyone could just declare themselves the national champion? No, we have a like, tournament uh, for this. Yeah, hey, like Golf Magazine, can you declare us the football national champion so we can get rings? Like, do stuff like that. Um, so, least, yes, I, I, like, I thought that I was like funny. I like the way that um, I, I was reminded of this again this year, and, and it will, I will keep being reminded of this. One of the many things that I like about Florida State, among Leonard, being – I just love Leonard Hamilton, but Florida State hung that banner for the 2020 tournament that just said 2020 canceled. Uh, yes. which is like, which was like, look, we had a great season. We were really good. I think they were going to be a, a pretty high seed in that tournament. If I recall correctly, they were the ones. Yeah. And then they, and then it was they like, were declared the champions you know, of the ACC tournament exactly. in that, in that year, but they, and cause they won the ACC regular season. Right. So, yes. which, so they earned that, right. They were the ACC regular season champions. If the ACC and the ACC designated them as their, as the automatic bid when the ACC tournament was canceled. And then the, then the, 
then the banner for the for the tournament says just canceled. I love that. That's that that's mm-hmm. that's a perfect way to address it. Florida State so I, much better than Kansas. I want to say one more thing about the Kansas UNC matchup, and that is shout out to Roy Williams who decided to not wear the Kansas sticker. He was dressed in full Tar Heel blue. Oh. Um, and much to, I mean, I know Kansas fans were like, yo, you better be repping both teams. And he was like, yeah, no, I won't be repping both teams. And so he went down with the ship. Donald, you stole my, my joke. Cause I made that. I, I was going to say that on Sunday in the, at our, uh, episode that we did from the coffee shop. I was going to make the joke. What button is going, is Roy Williams going to be wearing <laughs> to the game tomorrow night? Uh, there was no so button. Alas, he wasn't rooting for Kansas. Hey, last thing on the championship game, there was no one happier with Kansas victory last night than Jim Mackingvale, um, who is a, a huge, very, very, very rich man from the state of Texas. He owns like a bunch of furniture stores or something like that in Texas. He is widely known. Yeah, as, he's a mattress king. Yes, yes, the mattress king and the mattress king is sort of the biggest public sports better out there like his bets are known to everybody. And he made a lot of money when Kansas won that game. He um, he had he had dropped a three point three million dollar. I'll say that again. Three point three million dollar bet on game day on Kansas. And that that meant that he had wagered more than eight million dollars on Kansas winning the national title. He'd made various bets throughout the tournament in various different exotic ways. When they won, he made $12 million. But he also had money on UNC because he had this weird bet on a team from the East region to win the national title um, because he really liked Baylor in Texas because he's from Texas. And on the year, even though he just won $12 million on Kansas, he's down on the year because he bet $6 million on Alabama to win the... uh, to win the college football national title. And he bet $9 million on Cincinnati to win the Super Bowl. Both of those bets came up wrong. So it's nice for the Mattress King, for Mattress Mac as he's known, Mattress Mac, to finally get a victory uh, with Kansas. So I will also mention on the on the flip side of that is uh, I found out on Monday the reason why we lost on Saturday. And it's because Drake put $100,000 on Duke to win against UNC. If you no, if you Drake, no, the Drake curse hit us and we didn't even know it. If you guys have not seen anything Drake touches, loses with the exception of the of the Raptors that one year, everything he goes, yo, I'm gonna support this team. It is it is considered a curse, and your team ends up losing all year. He had been picking against Duke all year. He had been picking against us, and we were doing just fine. Comes to UNC game, he puts a hundred large on us. We go down, we drop by four. Drake, I love your music, but I need you to stop picking my team. I'm going to continue to not caring. I'm going to continue (laughs) to not care about Drake at all. Uh, And and this is just going to continue my general apathy towards him. I know people think he's great. I'm supposed to be really proud of him because he's like a Jewish guy that's also a rapper, which is insane. But um, but I got Drake is is Jewish. Really? Yes. Drake is Jake is Jewish. Jason, how how are you part of like of like uh, the the Jewish Twitterati, and you don't know that Drake is Jewish. <laughs> like this is one of the top five. Oh my God, that guy's Jewish. Uh, I, I I hadn't I had no idea. I don't I, I I don't pay that much attention to he's Jewish or he's not Jewish. And oh yeah, so <laughs> Jason Jason must Jason must exist in a in in the uh, entertainment world in a different way than I do. I, like I know he does because he watches a, a million <laughs> movies a year and and can watch the Oscars and and can actually follow it like a like an adult, whereas I'm like, I've never heard of any of these movies. Uh, I have one more note about gambling on the tournament uh, that's much more relevant to this show, which is that the DBR Bracket Challenge happened, as it does every year, and we promise every year that if you win the DBR Bracket Challenge, you are welcome to come join us on the podcast for a guest appearance. You're certainly not required to, because we recognize that not everyone that reads the DBR or participates in the DBR Bracket Challenge is necessarily a podcast listener or someone who likes to hear the sound of their own voice. Uh, because that is a prerequisite to appearing on a podcast. But all that being said, the DBR Bracket Challenge had two co-champions this season. They both picked Kansas to win the tournament. Those users are Pomona Sage Hen 1 and Tom G 1. I assume that the ones are the numbers on their brackets. So uh, Pomona Sage Hen, I believe, posted on the DBR forum 
that they had won the uh, <laughs> that they were one of the winners. So I invited them to to join us on the show. So Tom G, if you're listening, uh, send us an email dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We will uh, get you on the show sometime, you know, over the summer. And it's worth noting, uh, Donald, Donald's bracket that was that was really great for a long time and, and faded a little bit, you know, at the very end, but still finished. He finished 12th in the DBR bracket challenge, 90th point three, 90 point three percentile for Donald. Very impressive. My bracket, 87.2 percentile, but I was third in this group, Sam, 88th percentile. So we were in the 90th, 88th, and 87th percentiles. We know what we're talking about. Maybe we should talk about college basketball. No, we don't. Guys. No, we don't. Stop. No, Jason, no. Jason, stop you right there. We're not inside. We're very lucky. We don't know what we're talking about. Don't don't put the people in that in that position. Don't give us I will that. Add on, don't give us that on pressure. the topic of the brackets. Can we talk about our own bracket performances? I'm in a group with my with my handful of buddies from high school. And if Carolina had won the game yesterday, I would have won like a couple hundred bucks. And as it was, I came in second place. And so I won like, I don't know, like some tens of dollars. And, uh, and I told the guys, I was like, this is fine. I am totally, I'm totally cool with, with taking my second place here. I would rather have the second place victory than Carolina have a seventh national championship. Absolutely. That was me. I had, I was second in, or I was actually first in a couple of brackets entering last night with the winner. Uh, the person who could leapfrog me, both of them had Kansas. So I was like, Hey, I hope you go get it, get this, get this trophy. Um, they didn't win any money. I didn't lose any money. Everyone, everyone has a Merry Christmas. So uh, with that, we will leave the 2021-2022 season in the rear view. We're going to take a break. We're Afterwards, we're going to look at the future of Duke basketball. The McDonald's All-American game was last week, and we had some stars playing in that game. We'll tell you all about it after this. All right, we are back. And last week, the McDonald's All-American game happened at Wintrust Arena in the great city of Chicago. And we had three Duke players that are coming into Duke next year that were a part of that game. Derek Whitehead, Derek Lively, and Mark Mitchell. And we had some outstanding performances from all of them. Uh, and Jason, I want to turn to you because you're a resident recruiting expert and you were able to get some thoughts from this, or at least be able to watch this game. Tell us. How did these guys do? And really, let's start with Tariq Whitehead, because I see when I'm looking at this box score, I see the words, the, the letters MVP next to his name. Tell me about his performance. Yeah, Tariq Whitehead was tremendously impressive in this game, and he showed a little bit of everything that you could hope for from a player, uh, you know, player like him. Uh, he, he finishes with 13 points, seven rebounds and seven assists. He was facilitating. He was involved on the boards. And, and he was scoring. And, and by the way, his scoring included uh, an outside shooting touch that, that a lot of folks you know, were a little maybe skeptical or didn't know that Dariq Whitehead um, had in his arsenal. He, he was three of seven from three-point range, um, which is a perfectly uh, you know, acceptable kind of um, shooting percentage. And, and it's worth noting the threes that he took a lot of them were off the dribble. A lot of them were sort of sidesteps or step back. They're the kind of threes that are very, very, very difficult to defend. If you're a player who is confident and able to make that kind of shot, it's a, it's a three-pointer. You know, we saw Caleb Love. It's the kind of thing that Caleb Love did to Duke and did a lot this season for UNC. And frankly, I'm not sure there was anybody on Duke who was, you know, we had some good three-point shooters this year. Wendell Moore hit better than 40%. Of course, A.J. Griffin was near 50% for a lot of the year and, and finished the year right around 44, 45%. But you didn't say AJ occasionally would take a little step back three, but you didn't see a lot of sort of threes off the dribble and threes on the move from the Duke players. Now th that shot is a really difficult one. It's not an easy one to make, but the fact that Derek Whitehead was confident in taking that shot and the fact that he hit it with a, you know, he looked good taking it. And, and the fact that he hit a good percentage of them is a pretty exciting thing for a Duke team that, it looks like next year, you know, one thing that, that may be a bit of a challenge for the team will be outside shooting. Um, so, and, and again, you know, seven assists. Uh, by the way, the McDonald's All-American game, to me, was a little different than expected. There was much better defense than you usually see. It looked like these guys had actually practiced together. You know, it wasn't all one-on-one -on -one kind of stuff. 
It wasn't all flashy kind of stuff. It looked more like a game, like a legitimate game between two teams than it, than it usually does. Usually it looks very playground. Um, and, and so it made it more interesting to watch. And it means, I think, that the, the skills that we saw on display are going to translate better to college than, than what we sometimes see, which is, you know, just guys clowning it up. Um, and so for Dariq Whitehead to be clearly the MVP, the East, by the way, crushed the West. I mean, one in absolutely going away. And Dariq Whitehead was quite clearly the best player on the floor. That's a, tr a really, really exciting thing for Duke. Uh, Der you know, uh, Derek Lively, um, the big man who's considered by many to be the top player in the class, was one of Dariq Whitehead's teammates on the East squad. Uh, he ended up getting 10 points. He only had four rebounds. He had three block shots. He, his reputation is that of a rim protector. And, and I'm not saying he's going to absolutely fill Mark Williams' shoes. Mark Williams was one of the elite rim protectors, one of the great shot blockers that we will ever see in a Duke uniform. But boy, Derek Lively looked, looked really, really good protecting the rim. And he looks like someone who's going to be, he, he was very active in pick and roll kind of situations. He didn't look like, you know, if you switched him onto a guard or a smaller player that he was going to be lost. Um, uh, he's very, very quick with his, with his feet. And, and, and it's worth noting, I, I said he had 10 points. He hit all five of his field goals. Now, most of them were lobs. Most of them were very easy shots, but uh, he didn't take any bad shots. And, and uh, Derek Lively looks like someone who's going to step in right away and, and have an immediate impact at the defensive end of the floor. And then I want to go to the West squad very quickly because Mark Mitchell of Duke, power forward, um, led the West squad in scoring with 19 points. Uh, he, he actually went out, stepped out and took a couple three-pointers and hit them. He was two of three on three-pointers. I don't think that that's going to be a large part of his game at Duke, but he showed some decent um, touch from there. Uh, and, and, and he just looked, to me, he looked long. He looked active. Um, I, I, I didn't think Mark Mitchell would look as good in this game as he did. And, and he's going to be another guy that's just going to be, you know, it's going to be tough not to give him major, major minutes next year at Duke. Uh, the future looks pretty bright. You can, you can easily argue that Mark Mitchell, Derek Lively, and certainly Dariq Whitehead are th were three of the five best-looking players in this, in this McDonald's All-American game. That bodes well for what they will translate into at the next level. I think with the McDonald's All-American game, obviously we've, we've been able to watch Duke players play in this game pretty much annually for the last like 25 years. It's been incredible to at least have a rooting interest in every single McDonald's All-American game that you see. And, you know, it's funny, McDonald's All-American is still kind of the pinnacle. It's what they talk about on college broadcasts, but there's so many other elite games out there involving uh, players from, you know, the high school ranks. It, but when you look at this game, it's always interesting to see that out of a, a, a game of stars, if you think about it, a game of all stars from across the country, that three of the top team, top players in this game are going to be playing together at the same school. And it's going to be Duke University. I think it's always fun to watch them play and you want to see them do well, but to see them be stars amongst the stars is awesome. Um, it doesn't always translate to how they play on the, on the collegiate level, but at least for, to, for that night, you can say, Hey, the Duke players, the future is bright. You've seen, and, and it's the first time, honestly, for a lot of Duke fans to watch some of these players play um, high school basketball, because Honestly, it's, it's very hard to keep track of all of them throughout. And if you're not local, you don't necessarily get to see them other than through YouTube highlights. And, and really quick, I do want to mention Kyle Filipowski uh, did not play in the McDonald's All-American game. He was he was not eligible for the team. He, he transferred. He's like a technically a, a fifth year senior kind of thing. It's, it's sort of a weird criteria thing that kept him out. Of that He's game. in a prep year, I think is what they call it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, he will be um, he will be appearing in some of the other all-star games that happen over the next couple of weeks. And, and, and we'll let you know how he does. Everyone is super excited about him as well. Um, considered to be a top five player in the class. It's a pity we didn't get to see him in this game, but we'll get to see him in other games. And in those other games, he will be playing with Derek Lively and Mark Mitchell and, and, and Derek Whitehead. So we're going to get to see these Duke guys all on the same floor together. Yeah. Pretty cool that again, despite the, the fact that coach K is gone and it's, and it's John Shire in charge that, that the McDonald's all America game is still, uh, littered with Duke guys. I didn't, I didn't get to watch it. It's admittedly not like as much on my radar, I think as it is Jason's, but um, I'm, I'm just glad that, that the Duke guys continue to get the publicity for that because it just keeps the, it just keeps the train running. So um, very cool for, for those guys. And, and maybe I'll tune in for one of the, uh, for one of the other all-star games coming up. Yeah. And we will see these guys obviously in Duke uniforms next year, which 
Uh, right now, we're in the offseason, so that next year is coming sooner than we think. Uh, but for now, we're going to leave it here on episode 413 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Just for a heads up for you all out there, uh, the next episode that we're going to do is going to be in a couple of days, uh, but it is going to be the big one. It's the stats game. We're going to recap all of the stats that we have, and Sam is going to go into the booth. He's going to do all the, all the calculations, and he's going to come out and tell everyone that I won. Probably not, but at least I'm just going to give myself hope for a couple more days. If you want to stay tuned, make sure you make sure you subscribe. Yeah, go ahead, Sam. I, someone on this call won the stats game. So someone I did. Need to, someone I did. do need to. Spoiler I do need to alert. Check, Spoiler I alert. I do need to check the emails. <laughs> I do need to check the emails from early in the season because I think a handful of people did send us in stats game predictions. So I need to see if someone did better than we did. Oh, probably, especially me. Um, I, I, I know I did AJ Griffin right. So. I'll, I'll, I'll take that and I'll, and I'll sleep, sleep calmly because of that. But we will leave it here. We will be back very, very soon with that episode. Also, we have so much to talk about from the Coach K era. We will talk about all that on the next episode as well. So keep it locked. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, all that jazz. And again, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Continue to send those emails. We really, really love hearing from a lot of them. And we're going to share some of them and some of these stories on future episodes. So for Sam and for Jason, I am Donald. This is episode 413. And now it is time for the Duke Band to take us home. Top of the morning to you both. What's up, fellas? We're back. And UNC are not the champions. (laughs) <laughs> ah that's it episode 413 coming at episode you. 413 Bye. in the books <laughs> ah. <laughs> don't forget to like and subscribe and send us emails thank you i, I will, t- I will tell you. you guys this we can we can we can use this later but um last night there was a bunch of people all day talking trash about was i watching the game and i was like y'all nope. want to do this y'all don't want to do nope. this to me i was <laughs> not want to be the, the ones and so, and I saw all the, all the people talk about, oh, Tar Heel smoking that, 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 uh, coach K packed tonight. We got him out talking all that trash. You know what I did last night after the game was over? I fired up the story to tell and I went to bed. You know why? Because it was a good day.